All right. Well, first and official guest of the Quick Six, please welcome the legend of Salina America, Nathan Elliott. Okay. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It's, it's an honor to be on here with y'all for the first time. Thanks for coming, man. Appreciate it. Sure. So, um, to just jump right into it before we talk about anything else, uh, obviously, to be the legend of Salina, you got to be from Salina. So, a brick, as they say, born and raised in Salina. That's a thing. It's a brick is a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's he, I'm not the only person that ever says it. That's, um, that's a thing in, in Salina? 100%. Okay. Gotcha. But to just fast forward through all the like growing up bleeding orange and, you know, the power, passion, glory, and all of that, I want to jump right into, I would probably say somewhere in your sophomore year, um, when recruiting started to pick up for you and walk us through listeners through your experience as a collegiate division one football recruit, just from coach relationships, uh, how conversations went and, you know, your eventual path to Chapel Hill. Well, quick context though, real quick, graduated high school when 2015, my last season was 14. Okay, so 2015. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, help put things in perspective. True, true, true. Your yeah. experience would be totally different from his, which yeah. would be totally different from mine, but yeah. yes. Yeah, and I would say it's probably even totally different than kids today, yeah. and I wasn't that long ago, um, but it was it was really good. I mean, it was uh, different than it is now. You know, you didn't have a, a social media was obviously a thing, but it wasn't as big as it is now. Um, I mean, now you got kids posting videos yeah. about every offer they get and commitment videos, which is, I mean, that's fine and everything, but yeah. uh, it's just a little bit different. And you kind of see how social media has been just the biggest thing, but my experience was great. I mean, I may have had uh, one experience, one or two things that, uh, that weren't great, but uh, overall, I mean, I really enjoyed the experience. Um, I think some people uh, get overwhelmed with it. Um, they can kind of like becomes them. They want to, that's all they think about. That's all they care about. And, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, my, my dad, who was also my coach that kept me very grounded. Um, my head didn't get too big, too fast. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Well, I think if we're speaking about legends, his dad is a legend big of all Bill. legends. Yeah. Big Bill is, he's definitely a Salina legend in his own legends right, never sure. die. No doubt. Um, when did, was it the summer before or after your sophomore year where you felt like recruiting really became like, I don't want to say fast paced, but started to pick up momentum and conversations started to become more than just a camp flyer, things of that nature. Yeah. So, I mean, going into my sophomore year is when it really started picking up. I'd gone to a few camps. I remember I went to the Texas camp and uh, that was the first time that I personally even realized like, wow, like I, I really do have a chance I can do this. You know, I was very confident in myself, but I think it was it took me, you know, going and doing it and hearing, you know, these coaches talk to me or these uh, analyst guys that, you know, do the interviews and stuff like paying attention to me to realize, like, I actually like I am good enough because, you know, my my dad kept me grounded. So I was never trying to be arrogant or anything like that because I was I had gotten in plenty of trouble for being that way when I was young. So uh, I never really it wasn't that I didn't have confidence, but I didn't really 100 percent know, like, am I really like, is this, am I good enough to do this? And that's when I really started to figure that out and uh, took my game and my preparation and everything to a whole nother level. For sure. And um, 
just to understand eventually, like I said, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and those, those conversations with coaches going into your sophomore year, uh, if you can remember, what were they like? I mean, how do you, how do, how could you tell the difference between like, Hey, thanks for coming out. And you know, these people want me here. They're watching there or what was it undiscernible? Could you not tell at all? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times I could, uh, just kind of, if a coach was one-on-one talking with me off to the side, talking to me and my parents and not just like the, after the camp, shake their hand, you know, great job. We'll be in contact, whatever, like going out of their way when they came on visits to, or came to, you know, the school and, um, going out of their way to come talk to me, um, sending me personal you know letters and stuff like that. So personalizing things a little more than just like what everyone else gets. Um, that's when I really, you know, realized like there was some serious interest, but, uh, yeah, everyone, everyone that I talked to was, I mean, I had great experiences with just about everyone. Was your was your dad involved pretty heavily in recruiting? Um, he was, but he wasn't. I mean, he always helped me. You know, he always took me to the camps, took me visits. Yeah. I mean, we went to Carolina a couple of times, flew across the country. Um, and, you know, I'm very grateful for that. But at the end yeah. of the day, he let me decide, you know. Yeah. And, uh, he gave me some, you know, some of his advice and what he thought and the pros and cons of every place that I was considering. And, um, and. I went with it, and he he supported it. My whole family supported it, which was was great. He played at TCU, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. What year? He got done in ninety one or ninety two. Okay. Was his last year? Gotcha. Was he was he as big then as he is now? He was bigger. bigger. Yeah. He played it. He played it. That's big in a good way. Yeah. He yeah. played. He floated at three a little over three hundred. Right? Like three ten. Yeah. Three yep. ten. Yep. And was clean and snatch like. 400 pounds. So you, so you basically grew up like, I want to say not having a choice, but like that was your life growing up. Like you're, you're at the field house. I mean, and I'm just assuming, but right. I mean, you were probably at the field house and you're going to be a bobcat and, and, and all that since you were you know growing up. Oh yeah. I mean, since the day I can remember, I don't even yeah. know if I ever missed a, a single game growing up. I yeah. mean, when we lost, like I have a, I still have the picture, me and a couple of my friends, we were, we lost the 2008 state championship game. I was in like fifth or sixth grade. Hmm. I'm bawling my eyes out in the stands, you know, just yeah. because like that's how much it meant to me. And I, but I think like growing up in that environment and being around that all the time yeah. really helped me later in life, you know, with my career, uh, you know, getting the experience of just being around the guys, like understanding how, you know, kind of how good leaders and people do things. Yeah. Um, learning the game, just watching and learning. Uh, I'd sit there with my dad and watch film and, had a little notepad that I draw. I wasn't drawing anything. I, yeah. I don't know what I was drawing. But <laughs> just scribbling. But yeah, it's like it's like the but, fake razor. You know, that has no blade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kinda... Like I was just drawing stuff. So, but all that stuff, I 100 believe, helped me um, when I got older and just the knowledge of the game and everything. That's awesome. So, from there, before you leave to go to school, or I guess probably right after you got there, if you reflected back on your time in high school. What do you think? Because I think it gets lost in the shuffle. I remember one of the best questions I ever heard at a coach's clinic was I was listening to Coach Cause and his strength staff talk. A guy in the back said, what's the number one way that we can get kids ready to go to you? Right? And everybody was kind of, it was a pretty profound question because usually you got these technicians, these masters of their craft up there. You want specific details. How can I do this better? How can I do that better? And somebody said, What's the best thing we can do to prepare them when for when they get to you? Um, what was that for you? What was the number one thing coming out of high school 
Like when you got to Chapel Hill, you started kind of reflecting like, man, I have an advantage over everybody else because of. For me, I would say there's two things. One is the mental side, just being, you know, having growing up in the environment I grew up in. Like I said, I was constantly in the building. I would learn stuff even if I wasn't really meaning to, you know, maybe some coach would pull me over and just show me something like messing with me, you know, running the same offense growing up, all that stuff. So like just an understanding of the game was huge because it, it, the game doesn't change, but it just gets more in depth as you go up. And so that was the biggest thing was like how in depth everything was. And I actually loved it. I loved how in depth we got with the offense, with understanding defensive football, um, you know, things like that. But the second thing is uh, track. I mean, track was the number one thing for me um, and the ability to go into summer workouts right when I got there and not be worried about how bad the conditioning was going to be because, I mean, the conditioning we did here during track workouts was just absurd um, and it paid off because those workouts, were they were hard, but they were nothing compared to what we used to do here, honestly. I mean, I, I will 100% say that with 100% confidence. And to to kind of set the the scene for that, you come in – as a freshman and yes, the Salina football program is storied and TK has kind of brought it up a couple of times. We've touched on it a little bit, but I mean, you came into like prime Salina track. So the, not only were the workouts hard, but you're chasing three division one future track athletes. Right. And was it your freshman year that the record was set? Yeah. My freshman year, uh, you know, Zach Bilderback and Ben Teal and uh, another kid named Cole, Cole Stallcup, they all three went on to run at the college level. And, you know, they ran a, a 314.08 or something and 3A Salina uh, my freshman year. And so I'm just, you know, I'm out there running with them. I wasn't on the uh, varsity relay that year. I, I all was an alternate. So I ran a couple times, but never with a 314. But, um, yeah. you know, just being in that that environment, like, there was no choice. Like if I didn't push myself to the absolute max, I wasn't even going to be anywhere near close. I, could, I was barely close anyways, because these dudes are running like 45, 46 splits on their right. mile relay. So I think just the environment you're in can create, can make you so much better. And it, it that really, that spring was probably one of the best springs I ever had just because of the fact that I was being pushed so hard by those people around me. Yeah. Who set that environment? Hmm. Coaches or players? So I would say the coaches like facilitated it kind of, you know, I would say the coaches kind of set it up, but at the end of the day, like by the end of it, it was 100% the players. I mean, the coaches could tell us to run as hard as we want. You know, like you can tell like any kid to run, like you need to run hard. I mean, but when you're out there and you you got your teammates who are not just like, they're the best ones when your best guys are telling you, you know, to pick it up, or when they're just smoking you and making you look stupid. Um, I think that can can motivate guys really quickly. Is there ever a time, like I'm always interested when it comes to to places like Salina or uh, Stephenville, for example, if you try to go down the timeline, you know, because even if it's for 30 years, some of those kids may not even know where where that comes from. Like it's player-led now. And they say it's always been player-led. Yeah, but there was one moment or at least one coach, one person that set that standard and then it kind of went from there if that makes sense you know what i mean so like i'm assuming for salina football who set that standard and maybe it was like 50 years ago but who was the coach that came in and said this is who we are salina football and everybody from that moment like understood the standard was that ga was it ga more 
yeah. Yeah. So he was the guy that came in. And, and so I'm assuming, like, before him, Salina was. They had won one state championship. Uh, so they're pretty good. Uh, yeah. I mean, decent, but I wouldn't say. I mean, it was a noticeable difference. Really? I mean, in the last, I guess, 35 years, 30 years, Salina has been completely different than they were probably 30 years before that. Really? I think the I think the last time I saw we're 28 or 29 years consecutive making the playoffs. Jeez. And I from what I've heard cuz GA's had a couple different stints at Salina. Um but the long one with the four straight state championships I, th- I want to say the the two years prior to him restarting that that run here. Yeah. Uh, didn't make the playoffs. Okay. So, wasn't it wasn't he kind of set the precedent for what Salina became and what the expectation became. Yeah. Um, and obviously it's been carried on through Butch Ford and now Big Bill. So, and like but, I think too, like you see it in college football as well. Though, like every now and then you'll have a team that pops up, like lsu or uc i mean i shouldn't say yeah. lsu but uh central florida yeah they pop up they have a great year and then they kind of fizzle out whatever yeah. and then every now and then you'll see another team do it i think that's all just like they have really good talent at the time and that's that but alabama clemson mm-hmm. you know all those guys that's because of the culture is like so good i mean those guys they've gotten it into a pattern to, like a cycle to where it can't be broken yeah like this culture and the guys have bought into it they know when they go there like this is what is expected. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And when these new guys come in, they're taught that from day one. And it's just, it's, I don't know if you're ever going to stop the cycle. Yeah. I think, I think that's the dream of I mean, every coach is you want what everybody says. You want, you know, the team to be led by the players. Um, and it's kind of one of those things where that's a dream because once it is like, it really is a Stephenville or a Salina where like, if you come into that town um, and you're not playing football or doing something to help the football team, what are you doing? Yeah. And, it, and that's kind of the expectation. And I, and I feel like once you got that precedent set, like you said, it's almost just rolling now and it, it's really hard to stop that. I mean, it's, it would take, it would take a, a boulder to kind of, you know, really stop that um, and mess it up. And so it's, that's a dream, but is it scary? I mean, cause if you look at your Stephenville, you look at your Salina and this is going to be a, a pretty deep question here. Um, is it scary with all the growth that's happening here in Dallas right now? Everything that's pushing north, uh, and for, for those of you that don't know, like Dallas is blowing up and everything is pushing north right now. With that, there's always a fear of, are we going to end up having a couple of different schools here? Um, you know, as, as all these people are pushing out more and more, can we still keep that same tradition here? Um, is that something that's kind of crept into to y'all's minds? I know, the, I know the cities, I mean, the school board, the city is already, they're looking... 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And really a lot of people are that are part of those conversations are saying that it's somewhat inevitable simply because of the square mile mass of Salina. It has more square miles within the city limits than Allen, Prosper, all them. I was told, yeah, I was told more than Frisco. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's long term. The conversations have already started, but I do know that the core of the school board core of the community will fight tooth and nail for as long as physically possible yeah for this to be a one horse town and to hold on to those core values had conversations with people within the community that you know are part of those conversations 
who this simple mindset is. And I, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with this. I know that it, there's people that will disagree, but there's an expectation from a tradition standpoint, from an act, an education academic standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, that's been firmly put in place here. Mm -hmm. And, and that it's, and it's okay. It's a good thing. Yeah. And if you move here and you don't like that, that's also okay. You can go somewhere else that fits your community expectations, but don't move here and then expect to change sure. everything, the cog that's been rolling, everything that's been built. Don't come in with that mindset. You, Hey, if you want to be part of the machine, we want you, Yeah. but you're not going to come in here. I think one of the most interesting quotes I've ever heard about someone that was not from Salina and got hired here was they came in and made a statement more. I'm, paraphrasing here but along the lines of i'm going to change the culture here and it was just you know your perception of what you think is going on versus yeah. what other people think is going on you're allowed your own opinion obviously yeah it's not really broken <laughs> like you I, know that's the wrong answer buddy <laughs> yeah. exactly so um i think you have to have that mindset yeah. right be completely different if this was a three-year-old school right sure and you know there's one right up the road that's the school got built in like 2012 so they're kind of building mm -hmm. that foundation and setting those traditions right now right that's a great place to be a part of that shape right a lot of shaping's already gone on here it's had a lot of success yeah no, and, no it's, it's just special like when for me when you look at a salon or you look at a stephenville these are places that are pretty removed from the city. Um, they're their own town and what they've got going on is just different. Like it's like, if you've watched Friday night lights, it's that's Friday night lights. I feel like that is hard to do as you start getting, you know, the suburbs kind of pushing up further and further and further and kind of getting more packed in. Um, you just don't see a lot of what you see in Salina in general. I get it, but you don't see a lot of what you see in Salina, Stephenville, you know, downtown dallas uh you know out right. even some of the outskirts of dallas it's just it's just, park. it's just different yeah it's, it's just it's totally and i don't know how to explain that i'm sure somebody else could in, in better words but it's just different you know it's weird um i think the easiest way to say it is that i mean it's not for everybody yeah and that's not to say that like there's one type of person that lives out of here but for the most part, the vast majority of the people that are involved and participating in any type of community or school activity, the standard is the standard. Right. And, you know, if you're going to be a part of it or if the athletic program is going to add a new team, you know, as we grow and more, I mean, when I got here, we didn't <clears> have boys <throat> soccer. Yeah. We've had two years of boys soccer and they were in the state semis this year. Right. You know, the standard is the standard. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect, I don't, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mind. You see the same thing in Alito, you yeah. know, but Cannon took that place from nobody wanted that job when he took it over to now everybody wants their kids to play there. Everybody wants their kids to be a Bearcat and go play for a five, a state championship, like 11 years in a row, right? whatever, 10 yeah. out of 11, whatever it is, Yeah, you know? So it's just understanding that, once that foundation is laid and it's not any type of poisonous foundation, it's striving for greatness, it's pushing, it's adversity, but it's 
molding people, yeah. hey, you want to be a part of it, man, we love to have you. Right. But don't come in and try and change it. Sure. We, we're always open to hearing new ideas and learning, but that doesn't mean we're going to tear it down and start from new. Yeah. One thing I did when you were kind of talking about like programs that, you know, are player led and, and that's the dream. You know, Jason Brown was on Pat McAfee's podcast, <laughs> Coach JB, and uh, he started talking about it. He was like, at the end of the day, look at college football. He's like, how many good coaches are worth $5 million? Mm-hmm. He said, and I know they make more and I know it's a business and that's a whole nother conversation because how many out there are really worth it? Yeah. So we said Nick Saban. He said two. Dabo and Nick. Dabo and Nick, yeah. He said Florida State paid Willie Taggart to go away. Yeah. yeah like yeah. eight million obscene amount of money, right? Mm-hmm. And you were talking about every once in a while you see a team kind of pop out. He said, I mean, hard to argue. He said it too, but he was talking about like he drives specifics. He was talking about LSU. Your greatest team that you've ever seen play. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They didn't win a natty. I forgot. No, he was saying that that was that flash. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just still petty. All right. Okay. So. Yeah. Facts. Which, by the way, I got called out. Good. It wasn't the 2000 Miami. It was the 2001 that went undefeated and won a national championship and had like 40 NFL players on it. Yeah. How old were you at that time? Eleven. You got it. Gotcha. I mean, sense. I watched football at eleven. I'm sorry that you may not have. No, I'm, I was I was I was genuinely asking. Oh, okay. I was, anyway, I was five. Yeah, right. Four. Yeah, that's what I told him. I was like, oh, two, he he was talking about 2019 LSU. Absolutely. Yeah. Untouchable, right? No one could hang with them. What they do this past year? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Well, I think you, you see could, that more often than not, though. But it I, absolutely. But I mean, you go back 18 months. Ed Orgeron's like. He's one of the greatest coaches in college football. Oh, yeah. Untouchable. Sure. Yeah, the guy from the water boy came out of nowhere and he's just <laughs> killing it. And now you're just, now you sit here and you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know? And obviously, different things can happen. What's one year is a measuring stick, but. Offensive I coordinator did, helps. Huh? Offensive coordinator helps. Yes, it does. So I did find that interesting. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is that, um, talking about that, so I'm in the, pro, in the middle of reading Training Camp by John Gordon, which. If you don't know who John Gordon is, A, his books are great because they're never that long. And B, they're fictional stories that are great for all ages. Junior high, high school, grown adults. Everybody can take something from those. All you have to do is want to. Yeah, he's in that category with Michael Gervais. I mean, completely will just change your mind, your your mental, emotional perspective. He's all, he's good. He's really but he had good. a quote. He had a quote in this training camp, this book. Um it's an actual quote from Bill Walsh who said that like he, there was a part of him that always feared success for his players because of basically complacency, right? Mm-hmm. That too much of that, they lose the understanding of what got them there. So I think that's kind of part of it, but how would you, or how did you experience being here and then going to a different place? How would you say that that was kept on the back burners? I've heard stories about how GA did it, but like when you were in high school, how did y'all fight that? that complacency or that stagnant potential. Yeah. I mean, I think like when I was here, so unfortunately I never had the opportunity to, to win a state championship, which I'm still, no one still oh. hurts, you know, <laughs> um, had a lot of great seasons, but never state. Uh, but I think that was it really not, not going to state. Um, and growing up, like I said, the culture was like, if you don't go to state, I mean, was your year really that great? You know, like that's kind of how it was. I mean, that's and that, I mean, it's crazy it, to think about. Hundred percent. And I shake my head and laugh because 
I mean, we went to the year, my second year, we went to the fourth round and everybody was like, gosh, Spalina was terrible this year. Yeah. We're playing in the quarterfinals. It's insane, yeah. man. And it's just wild. I laugh because I think about like, I think I've told you this. My my junior year of high school, they set like, you know, all the moms go and decorate the field house and they they put up like the goals for the year. And it was uh beat Keller, because they had beat us by like 50 the year before. They had like nine kids signed to P5 schools. Yeah. It said beat Keller, undefeated in non-district, make the playoffs. Like that was yeah. and we did, and everybody was like, hey man, we lost in the first round, but hey. Met all three of our goals, you know? And then I got here and a coach, like my first day was like, Hey man, look, I'm going to be real honest. You know, there's some stuff that these kids will want to learn from you, but for the most part, like just make sure they get to practice. Like that's your job because they're going to take care of everything else. And it was right. I mean, so, and I mean, a lot of those kids that you played with, so they were a part of that, that mindset and that approach, but it's insane to see, to reflect back on like my experience, junior high, high school, being here and seeing how the, you know, that switch flips and how different those experiences are. When was the first time you saw something like that? I mean, I think, um, I think Hutto was probably the first school I went to, to where, I mean, that expectation was pretty high. I mean, it obviously wasn't anything like, you know, Salina or something like that, but the expectation was extremely high, very high. Um, you know, and then on the flip side of that, kind of where I came from, they've, they've, they've had good years, you know, in the past, way past, uh, but it was just different, you know, it's kind of different individual goals. Like, Hey, let's just try to go above 500, you know, and then you go to the next school and it's like, Hey, um, you know, state or bust. It's, yeah, it's just, it's extremely different. So, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably Hutto. And would you say that that was like. I don't I don't know the history of Hutto. Sure. Was that something that LaPlante had kind of forcibly entrenched uh, or had it manifested it through that group of eventual seniors? I mean, I think they were, you know, Hutto was was interesting cuz I think in like 1998 they were and I can't remember the number, but they were like a like a 3A or something like that. They were very small. Um actually matter of fact, I think it was 290 something students in the high school. So That's tiny. It's a little different now. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean, being a five A, but uh, I think it was Van Meter, Coach Van Meter, who's now at Pflugerville Wise. He's the one that came in there. Uh, I think he had uh, before that retired five times already. I'm joking. I think he retired <laughs> twice and then came back. And so he went to um, to Hutto, and that's when he had like Davion Davis, who you know he played receiver and played with, for the Vikings for a little bit. But, um, but yeah, he came in there and, and took him to. I want to say took him to the semis or quarterfinals which, you know, they haven't done that in a long time. And so, and then after that is whenever LaPlante took over, and that's whenever I came. And then we had a decent quarterback by the name of Chase Griffin, who, by the way, graduated, like, from college. Two years. What He's it? already done? Yeah. Wow. Like, I saw an Instagram thing the other day, and he was walking the stage, and I was like, you know, I was, I was like, you know, just going up and down. And it was one of those that went up, whoosh, straight back down. I'm like, Excuse me? Hold on. <laughs> Is that a diploma he was grabbing right there? <laughs> what, crazy. two years? So, but yeah. Um, well, Lipscomb Academy, that's the other one. They were three and 30 for the last three years. And then the next year we went to semifinals and state last year. So, um, but yeah, I got a quick question for both of you. And feel free to answer however you want. Okay. Let's say, and this is not going to happen because Big Bill's a goat. 
But let's say something happened, and let's say he retires next year. All right. How do you come in as a head coach? What do you do? Because, again, like, Salina is so different than anywhere else. I mean, it would be no different, and I don't know the story, but whenever Chad Morris went into Stephenville after Bryles, it didn't matter what Chad. Chad could have done the best thing ever, had the best philosophy, whatever, and it didn't matter. You're not our brawls. And if you don't do it the way that Art did it, you can leave. Like, what, how do you handle that situation? I, I think the biggest, like, the biggest thing, that's a very tough question. But <laughs> I, think, tough. I think, I think, like, one, one thing is, like, if I'm, if I was, you know, the people on the school board or the people that are deciding to yeah. hire, I'm probably going to, like, really take a hard look at schools that are similar, you know, in expectations. Um, to Salina and then probably, I mean, look at people that have been here and, yeah. you know, not that left on bad terms, but left, right. you know, for better opportunity or people that are here still that have, d have been through the program. I think that's what another thing that's made Salina so good is there's so many guys that, that have been here for a, a long time. People yeah. don't come here for a year and leave, or there's guys that played here that's and true. been through the program and come back. So like everyone that's on the staff, like they 100% know, the expectations and they know like ex like what it takes to do what we want to do it's a good point yeah i mean i I, I would think and i know you're about to answer but i would think the biggest issue most people probably make just assuming especially as a young head coach is you want to come in and change everything yeah leave your yeah. mark right you, you know what i mean your, yeah leave your and a lot around. of times it's before they even know what they're doing themselves but i gotta change everything well like yeah. not everything was bad it could have went 0 and 10 and and well crap most of what they're doing uh, it was great, you know. It just that 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 wasn't the right guy for the job. Maybe that was it. But I think, especially in a place like Salina, you need to come in and not have, I guess, not have the ego. You know, come in and well, crap, everything's everything's great. I'm just going to be who I am, and the things that change are the things that are going to change because I'm not Coach Elliott. And and, I, and if I try to do what he did, it's not going to be real. Um, but as far as maybe some structure things and whatnot, yeah, it's great. Keep it. I think that's a lot of the the answer is that in a situation like if in that hypothetical, you're talking about a guy who's won a lot of games and he retires. Mm -hmm. Well, A, he's not getting run out of town. Right. And B, the proof is in the pudding. So kind of like what Nate says, like, I mean, the standard is the expectation is there. We know we know it works and we know what the community expects mm -hmm. and there's, there's little minute things and freaking training camp. John Gordon talked about this, um, zoom focus. There's little minute things that Salina athletics, Salina football, Bill Elliott focuses on that 98% of the, the rest of the coaching profession would be like, that's a waste of time. Sure. And he'll <laughs> openly admit it. He will openly tell you, I know you don't think this is a big deal. And at the end of the day, it may not be, but let me tell you why it is. Every every time we go out to football practice, every coach, every player is going to have tall white socks. Why? Because that's what we do. And that's how we're going to do things. And you may not want to, but your willingness to put on those tall white socks is a submission to the team to do whatever it takes. Because mm -hmm. that's the expectation. Sure. Just things like that. Yeah. And it's already in place. It's harder to uphold those things when you when there's a passing of the torch. It's harder to uphold those things if there's no success rate. 
Right. And oh, success yes. rate comes in production of good people and wins. Sure. You know, if he retired at the end of a three, four year run of first round exits and 500 seasons, right. You know, there might, and I'm not saying that'll ever happen. I highly doubt it will, but now you're talking about a community, a school board that's saying, Hey, we need a little spice. We need to mix it up. Right. But if you come into a situation, it's like you said, you got to check your ego at the door. You come into a yeah. situation where things have been rolling, success has been had, the graduation rate is 100%. The multi-sport athlete rate is in the 90s, right? All of those things are in place. Hey, just, you know, here's the keys of the Ferrari. Just steer. Yeah. Don't wreck. Yeah. I think that's where this profession gets so hard because from a political standpoint, let's let's get away from a saline and let's talk about well, let's go back to Hutto. You know, I mean, Hutto has been really good the last few years, but like they're not like state contenders every year, but they're good, right? Maybe like a Mike Leach or something like that back when he was there. Good, but like, yeah, you know, they're, they're not going to the, the Natty or I guess you know, one of the better bowls at that time. But um, I've always thought for me, just thinking ahead, like if I'm going to be a head coach one day, I feel like it'd be really hard to go into a situation where um, it's a Hutto and for the last couple of years, they've gotten beat in the second or third round. Because that's kind of like you're in between of like, you know, and then you get there and it's like, well, you know, a lot of stuff is actually pretty good. But if I don't change and there's not noticeable change immediately, does the administration and school board that hired me, are they going to be like, well, hey, we hired you for a reason to change things. And, you true. know what I mean? And like, you, I've always thought about that. And it's like, well, no disrespect, but a lot of you guys have no clue about football. But that's what they're expecting. <laughs> yeah. And in this profession, at the end of the day, especially with public schools, the school board, they kind of run the show. And so now you kind of have some young coaches that are like, oh, I think I need to change this to cha just to change it so they can see it. And maybe that was a change that just screwed your whole philosophy and your whole program. Yeah, that, again, it's probably going to happen at least three more times in this conversation. John Gordon, training camp. <laughs> they started talking about Starbucks. They're like, what makes Starbucks great? They do 100 things 10% better than everybody else. PB&J box. Or that. But they it's not that they make – they don't make coffee that nobody else makes. Yeah. You can get a caramel macchiato at any coffee shop in America. You can get a white chocolate mocha at any coffee shop in America. What does Starbucks do different? They do 100 things 10% better than everybody else. So you take over a situation like that. Again, here's our weekly caveat. Speaking from a chair, I've never actually sat in. But yeah. – you don't have to you don't have to start from scratch. Apply that zoom focus. How do we take this pretty good off-season program and make it great? How do we take this pretty good practice structure and make it great? Mm -hmm. How can we get how can we find that list of things that we can get 10% better at? Because the rule of 10,000, right? Or the rule of 10 years, the difference between an, another John Gordon started talking about an average baseball player versus a Hall of Fame baseball player, 250 average versus 350 average. Over a one year, over one year of baseball, on an average of four to five hits a week, that's one point seven hits more a week. That's it, out of four to five at bats a game. That's the difference between average and a Hall of Fame, right? And it's the compounding of that stuff, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's what gets lost. Yeah, is that newer head coaches, guys that come in, new coordinators, they come in, they're like, I got to do, I did it this past year, man, I got to do that thing. That thing that makes us totally different makes us totally better. 
Do you really though? Do I have yeah. to? Yeah. Or can I take those same things and get a little bit better at each of them and watch that increase compound? Yep. And that's where we go from good to great. That's where a second or third round program becomes a December program. Right. Yeah. You just got to trust yourself. You know, when it, when it comes to that stuff, just having confidence and saying, I don't care what people are going to say about me. Um, I'm just going to trust my process. If it didn't work, it didn't work. And, you know, I'll try something different next time. Um, but speaking of that, talk about quickly just your, your culture there at North Carolina when you played. So the years you played there were, I guess, what, 14? No. Uh, 15 through 18. 15 18 through 18. Last year there. How was the culture there? Pretty good? Yes. Yeah. I mean, when I, so that's kind of a loaded question. It was good. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the locker room, the, uh, the environment, the coaches, everything. Like, I, I love every bit of, my experience there has been great. Nothing but great. Um, the people, just great people. There was yep. never issues in the locker room. You know, yep. we just, just very, I, I really can't sum it up more than just to say we were very unlucky. You know, y'all had um, some bad breaks. Very bad breaks. Fedora was the head coach, right? Fedora, okay. yep. Um, okay. So, you know, like 15, we went to the ACC championship game and yep. uh, we have an onside kick that gets called back that, mm -hmm. you know, was questionable. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You know. Sure. Yeah. And I'm split not split hairs all day. Yeah and, yeah. and it's okay. And like it happened for a reason. And it's good. But you know. And then slowly from there, the next year, you know, we won like eight games. So the year after that, we won like three, four games or five. And then the year after that was like two. Mm -hmm. You know. And I was there as we were at the top, and then going down. And then my last two years when I was starting, um, that was when we had our two roughest years. And honestly, that was. I mean, that was very tough. Yeah. Uh, it was a tough experience, but I will say that the people there made that tough experience not as bad. Um, and I, I think I met some of my closest people, you know, my closest friends, my brothers in those times of, you know, really, those really bad times, you know, because there's multiple games sure. where you just, you lose on like a, a last second uh, field goal or you get, you know, you're up like two scores with very little time left. Somehow you end up in overtime and you lose in overtime, yep. you know, or a bad fumble, just like all kinds of stuff. I can't even, especially that 18 season, you know, you can go back and I think we only lost one game by more than a touchdown. It's like, yeah, but to everyone else, it's wins and losses, wins and losses. And that's what the, what's what the game's about, you know, Absolutely. especially at that level. And so, uh, you know, and coaches, uh, coaching staff turned over and, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I love every one of those coaches, uh, learned a lot from each one of them. Coach Fedora, I love coach Fedora to death. Um, all my teammates, the culture was great. It yeah. just, good. I think it's even better now. You know, sure. I think they've, they've really figured it out. I think, you know, coach Brown is, he's like a wizard. That man is yeah. unbelievable. So yeah. yeah, I can't wait till I'm, I'm like, you know, Mac one day to show up and Got my 11s on yeah, or whatever. Right. And yeah, no I have no clue what I'm make wearing, it, but I'm just going to ball drip, out. Dude. Make, rate my drip TikTok. Yeah, dude's, dude's a legend. Coach's office. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, from that point, you go into a graduate assistant role at Arkansas State. Before you talk about that environment, when did you know? Because I met you when you were a freshman in, in college mm. at North Carolina. And from the few conversations we had that year, I could already tell that like you knew what you wanted to do. You knew coaching was in your blood. You knew it was where you were headed. How soon, how early or young were you when you knew like that's what I want to do? Oh, I mean, I knew pretty much my whole life. Uh, you know, my dad coaching, like I said, always up there, always around it. I just thought the idea of that being your job was unbelievable. I thought like that's the greatest job in the world. I don't want to sit at a desk all day and, you know, do stuff like that. It's just not for me. Um, I want to be, you know, I want to be around kids. I, I enjoy that and just kind of hanging out. Like 
you know, obviously you're going out there and grinding, but mm -hmm. um, the relationships and just that time you get to spend with people you enjoy being around is huge. Yep, for sure. And so now at what point, because a graduate assistant role, especially Arkansas State, that's a G5, like it's a division one program that those are coveted positions in the young coaching profession. Talk about that experience and how it kind of led you to the affirmation that you wanted to coach high school ball. Yeah, so, I mean, Coach Anderson and uh, was the head coach at A-State and Coach Heckendorf, which was my quarterback coach from Carolina, was the OC. Uh, coach Heck went there after uh, we things didn't go well at Carolina, and he offered me the position there, so I went with him. And, I mean, it was a great experience. I learned so much. Uh, I mean, I – I've learned so much football from Coach Heckendorf. I owe him a lot. I mean, he's really helped me a lot in the game of football. And um, I think I just realized, like, I didn't necessarily – being a GA is tough. You all know that yeah. from experience. And anyone else – But why? But why? Why is being a GA – because we do know. Yeah. A uh, lot of people listen may not, and they think they want to do it. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's – I would consider myself a grinder. Like, I put in a good amount of time. Um, especially when I was playing, that type of grind is uh, a completely different level. And I'm not afraid of it, but it's just not something I really wanted. I didn't want to be, you know, doing the craziest jobs, most absurd jobs yeah. you can think of, just at, at the weir weirdest times, like, you know, weekends, all weekend. I mean, there really is no time off. And like I said, it was a great experience, and I wouldn't have changed it. Like, I think I learned so much and got great experience, but um, it just – you have to do it to really understand it. Cause I knew going in, it was going to be tough. Yeah. Once you do it, I mean, you're just like, dude, this it's, is, it's a, it's a hard experience to describe. Very. It's one of those that like from the outside looking in, you'll never understand. Yes. But from the inside looking out, you'll never be able to explain. hundred <laughs> like, percent. Very true. Yeah. yeah. Very true. It's so when did true. you know? Because we leave Tarleton and you're still. When did I know I wanted to, to, to coach just no, in no, general or make that transition? Make, to, be a high school coach because yeah. you we leave tarleton and you're you're still d1 mindset i mean yeah i mean my my mindset was was d1 mindset even up until 20 2021 i'm just playing uh, <laughs> until <laughs> right now until right now uh no up until i think honestly even 20 um i guess it would have been 20 the very end of 2018 20 i guess 2019 actually because i mean even though i, I had coached uh, for four years at that point uh, actually a five um, at the high school level. Whenever Dilfer called me and, and I went to Lipscomb Academy, the whole premise of me going there, honestly, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, but the biggest thing was, well, this is going to help launch my career. And that was a conversation that him and I had had, you know. Um, and so that being said, I went there knowing that, okay, I'll be here for a year or two and, and I'm going to grind it out. And I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to learn from Coach Dilfer and, and the surrounding staff and help build a program. And then, you know, and then I'll be next to Dabo in about a year or two calling plays. Um, <laughs> Wearing and, that neon hat. Yeah, right. And then life happens and, you know, I meet my wife and, and all of a sudden then have a baby, uh, you know, currently two and a half months old. So, like, for me at that moment, that's when things changed. Um, I finally realized what I had heard other coaches say forever, which is um, I'm perfectly okay being a high school coach. At the time, I never understood that, and I took that as complacency. Um, I just couldn't comprehend it. Like, wow, you just don't want to grind, huh? You have no ambition whatsoever? 
you're just not like me. And that's me being extremely uh, egotistical, arrogant, and a dumbass. Um, and so now I realize, like, man, I almost have more motivation now than I ever have. And I, I'm way okay being an OC for the next 50 years, grinding, being able to actually be in the same town because I'm doing such a good job at my current job. Uh, 100%. And, and, and I'm cool with that. Um, now, if, uh, you know, if Nick calls me tomorrow and he's like, yo, I want you to be the OC for Alabama. I'm, I'm not going to be like, no, thanks. Nick. Coach, I got to yeah. think about it. <laughs> like, Hey, you know, can I be there in five, six hours? You cool with that? Or <laughs> probably take it. But yeah, I mean, that's, I would say, I guess about two years ago. What about you? Um, I same, but different. So same life experience. So yours, your decision kind of came through the experience right of being yeah. at the college level and i i want to not to interrupt yours no but, yeah. um Good call. i want to i don't want to say i'm done with college you know like i think i've always had this thing with high school just because of the environment i grew up in and uh salina just means a lot to me and so when the opportunity arose to come back to specifically salina it was like like this is hard to pass up mm -hmm. right and the ability to coach with my dad the timing of everything it just seemed so right and I'm not saying like, oh, I never want to do college football um, because like he said, you know, if the right opportunity came, I think all of us would be like, yeah, yeah for sure. You know? For sure. And that's but it has to be gonna, the right one. That's what I was going to say is that I, I used to be in your mindset where being a high school co coach was okay, but, but I can, I'm, I'm, I can be better. I can do better. Sure. Right. Now I'm in the mindset where what's the purpose? What's the vessel that we're a part of, of football. It's a, you know, um, I just blanked on his name. Um, Arizona state head coach. Um, you play uh, to win the game. Uh, yeah, no, um, yeah. What? Um, I keep wanting to say, uh, he was in the NFL, right? Yes. He coached the, he was head coach of the jets. And then he went to Monday night <laughs> or Sunday yeah. night, uh, Sunday NFL countdown. Dude. It's oh not my dungeon. gosh. No, no, not, no, but no. I know I can see his face. Oh my gosh, this is awful. We're going to get destroyed for this. Anyway, yeah, you just made, you, I just read a quote, you know, and um, he was saying that, you know, the impact has to be greater than X's and O's. It has to be greater than concept. If I, if they're not leaving this program become as better men, then I failed them. Right. And so it doesn't matter if it's junior high, high school, college, division two, II, division one, JUCO, NIA, NAIA, it doesn't matter. The opportunity to do that exists at all levels. It's just how much do you want to take ownership and be a part of that process? So now, say it. Well, obviously I knew it wasn't Tom Herman. Right. But, but in my That's mind, I was, but in my Herm mind, it, it's Herm exactly Edwards. in my mind, I was like, it's Herm, 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 Couldn't get the Herm, Herm Edwards. What an idiot. I'm uh, so stupid. Right. I apologize, Continue. Coach Edwards. Um, yeah, sorry. But the, the ability to have that impact exists at all levels, yeah. right? And like y'all, like both of you said, the right opportunity is what I'm looking for. Yep. You know, yep. at the end of the day, I want to be around the game. I want to coach the game. I want to impact kids. And I, I want to raise my family. Yep. And if I can't do all of that, then the, the opportunity is not right. Yeah. You know? And it, after experiencing kind of both ends of the spectrum, seeing a staff that incorporated their family in everyday activities as a player, 
And then being a part of a staff as a GA, that was maximum grind, mm-hmm. right? And we've talked yeah. about this on here before, PK. We've talked about this, but like, there's there's different ways. There's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Yep. But I know which one I don't want to do. Sure. Right. And so if the opportunity to go to Division One staff is presented in the environment that makes my family and my professional day to day activity comfortable. That's the one I want to be a part of. Right. And that's the opportunity that I want to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And if it never comes, that's okay. Right. Because the the impact opportunities still exist wherever I am. Yeah. So no, I think I think I think what gives me peace, um, you know, is I finally understood and realized that like if I was to go to AFCA um and I'm walking to the Advocare Center there to get, you know my energy for the day in the exhibit center um me walking by a coach and his name tag saying lsu and mine saying you know blank high school does not mean that i have less value than that guy and that's what i used to think that's the hardest part for new young coaches to understand right